The Faculty Futures Lab is a project of the SDSU Initiative for Inclusive Leadership, a faculty-led effort to grow capacity to lead within institutions of higher education in complex and uncertain times. Funded by the President's Budget Advisory Committee. Learn more at fa.sdsu.edu. All guests speak from their own expertise and experience, not for San Diego State University. We are now in week two of our third semester of COVID-impacted instruction. And more and more, we're worried less about what we're teaching and how we're assessing it than about the quality of experience in our classrooms. Our students are isolated and exhausted. We're isolated and exhausted. So the question on the Faculty Futures Lab podcast this week how do we create community in the classroom? And guiding us through are San Diego State University Center for Teaching and Learning Director Sarah Elkind and Associate Professor Danny Badeau in our School of Theater, Television, and Film, Founding Director of SDSU's Arts Alive program. And Professor Badeau is going to open the session the way she would if she were teaching on Zoom. Um, what I tend to do um, is uh, some kind of physical centering. So I'm just going to, again, taking you through the things that I would do is say to my students, can you feel your feet on the ground or where, what's touching the ground? Some students like to sit on the floor so they may already be able to feel the floor with their with their tushies or their sit bones. Um, but if you all are sitting and can feel your feet, I would bring you, ask you to put your feet flat on the floor and just sort of plant yourselves. And then I often tell my, ask my students just right off the bat to take a moment, take their eyes off the screen and look at what's in their actual space, what's surrounding them. Even if like, for example, you're seeing my virtual background, but I'm not seeing that. I'm seeing my room, I'm seeing the window with the shade drawn, the light that's in front of me, the pencils on my desk, right? What's actually in your space? And then I would ask also with you, keeping your eyes off the screen, find something in your space that's relatively simple to look at and pleasing to look at. Just take a few deep breaths together, feeling your feet on the floor, just to remember that we're three-dimensional beings. So let's just take three deep breaths together. And with my performance students, we do six because there was a study in Japan, of course, that it's actually six deep breaths are required to really transform our physiology from wherever we come in with, whatever we come in with to a little bit more relaxed. But three, I think is good for us. And then, you know, again, feel free if you're comfortable, I would do something really simple. You could even have them, you know, look over their left shoulder, look over their right shoulder, just a little bit of movement, but I really have been enjoying this, taking one hand and putting it on my forehead, one hand and putting it on the back of my head, and then just pressing those two together, just to feel the three-dimensionality of my body and to be reminded that I have a back to my body, and then putting my hands on the sides of my head to remember that I have a side to my body, because really all we're seeing is each other's front right? So this reminder, like, oh, I'm here in the space and I have three dimensions, right? Borrowing that from our colleagues in dance, Leslie Siders and uh, Jess Humphrey in particular, teaching that thing that I like to bring in. And then, you know, even just a moment of shaking my hands. If you're brave, this is an opportunity to ask people to stand up even, to even put that lovely day on again and get folks dancing even. I mean, sometimes if they see us do it and they're silly, they'll do it even with their, you know, you could tell them they could do it with their cameras on, with their cameras off. That's a, also if your classes are long, it's a great thing to do in between, you know, when you're giving them a bio break to put that music on and to come back and, and call it a dance break. And they may not actually turn their cameras on, but for all you know, maybe they are dancing over there on the other side of the screen. I can tell you, of course, in the School of Theater, Television and Film, there's lots of people dancing with me on my dance breaks. Um, but again, you know, I recognize the culture of our departments are really different. The culture of our classes are really different, but we can, maybe there's ways, you know, I'm offering this 
as ways to just think about expanding. Well, maybe I couldn't do the dancing, but maybe I could play the music. Maybe I could call it a dance break. Maybe I'm willing to be silly and dance in my chair, you know? Uh, yeah, somebody wants to see, Ken, your engineers dance in the, in the chat. <laughs> They're saying, right? And you're... <laughs> And uh, so, yeah, there, it, it opens up, it opens things up, just these ideas, right? So one of the other things I want to offer is I do a daily check-in in my classes. Mine is 10 minutes long. Um, it is very linked to the curriculum that I'm teaching, especially when I'm teaching future teachers how to integrate theater into their classrooms. This is pedagogically linked, okay? So I want to acknowledge you may not have 10 minutes to spare, but the things I'm gonna show you in this check-in can be done in three minutes, they can be done in two minutes, they can be done in five or six, you know, you can really adapt it. And um, because you can put lots of the stuff that we might do verbally since we're a small group into, into the chat. Um, but a check-in typically involves these, these elements that we're already, we've already been experimenting with. So it would typically involve something physical, even if it's just a moment of breathing, a moment of asking people to put their feet on the ground, you know, to look in their room, to remember that they're not just in this camera. Um, so a moment of physical centering, a moment of maybe asking them to identify themselves and what they think or feel about something. Right, so it can be like I did in the chat for those of you who were here, for those of you who came in a little bit late, we asked folks to introduce themselves with their name and their pronouns and something they were hoping to get out of today's session. So you could link that question to the content for your class that day. You could link that question to something you asked them to read in homework. You could link that question to a world event that you like, how am I gonna deal with, with 300 students with the fact that the inauguration was yesterday and we're all aware of that? Well, you could just add, you could just acknowledge it at the top of class and say, hey, I know yesterday was a really big day in our world, in our country. So today, why don't you just drop into the chat two words that describe how you're feeling about what happened yesterday about the inauguration. Uh, what are you thinking now? And then of course you can read a couple of those. You can choose not to read them and ask folks to read them themselves. You can obviously, you know, if you want to then have a conversation, take those and go much further. But I'm, I'm guessing that what folks are really looking for are what they can do that's pretty quick, um, because I know we also have to get to our, our syllabi, right, and to get stuff done. So, um, and the third piece of a check-in, so something physical, something that involves me telling you how I'm feeling and thinking about a subject about myself today. It could be as simple as, tell me how you're feeling today, right? Um, the third piece is something fun. And I'll just tell you that the games that, um, there's a lot, of, a lot of tech games available. There's, um, sorry, I'm just looking at my notes. There's, um, of course, I'm like, I'm like jumping ahead of myself to tell you that, that my students um, typically in my classes, I assign a leading of check-in. So that's another thing to consider doing if your class is not super enormous, is that you could ask students to lead them. And, and through having my students lead them, I've learned about Jamboards and all kinds of online games that they'll drop a link in, and then the, you, that'll take you to something that they can play. And I'm imagining that there might be a way for that, since someone had asked about asynchronicity, that those things can also be, I know the Jamboard can be engaged asynchronously, but I'm not sure some of these other games may also be able to be engaged asynchronously. Um, so now I'm going to take you back and I'm going to kind of step out like I'm doing kind of provide you with that meta and then I'm going to step back in and have us do it a little bit. So just going to share with you the next slide which is base is essentially our um, our our next question and the next kind of activity that I would do would be a popcorn style um, sentence completion or answer answering of a question. So what are some of the elements of a healthy classroom community is our question. What are some of the elements of a healthy classroom community? And I would ask you to, um, you certainly can put that in the chat, but I also just wanna offer the technique, which I'm sure you're all aware of, but just to be sure of popcorn. So I would, I'm gonna I'll call on someone and ask them to answer what is something you think of when you think of a healthy classroom community? What does that look like? Um, and if somebody has a thought and wants to raise their, I don't think we need to bother with virtual hands since I can see you all pretty well. Is there anybody who has a response to that question when, you when I ask you to think about healthy classroom community, what comes to mind? 
in a physical classroom, I usually see people, you know, using their hands and expressing themselves when talking to somebody else next to them or whatever. That you know, there there's that sort of uh, nonverbal communication that goes on that's really hard to duplicate in Zoom. So when you see students communicating non-verbally non and using body language, that tells you that the classroom is healthy, that there's a healthy environment going on. Great. Ken, can you call on someone else on, in the screen? So maybe there's folks you know in this group. Um, why don't we let them volunteer? I hate to put people on the spot. Okay. Well, I'm trying to teach the popcorn technique. So if somebody else I'm wants to- I'm not familiar to, with that. Yeah. So it's just that you call on someone else. You just call on someone. You invite them. Ah. Okay. Well, um, Amy, I think it is. I, I'm terrible with names. Um, everybody's, there's, oh, your first name, is your first name Amy, Dr. Yeah, Sherman? It's Sonia, but I'm, oh, I'm Sonia. Sonia. Sorry. Now, I'm, I'm the only person names. who doesn't have a first name here, so I figured it had to be. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good detective work. So, I'm Sonia, I'm sorry, no worries. I one without a first name written. Um, That's no worries. I end up getting a lot of my... Uh, my students calling me by my first name, which feels a little strange, to be honest. Um, okay, so, uh, okay. When you think of a classroom, a healthy classroom community, we don't even need to use the word community for a moment. Just when do you know your classroom's functioning in a way that's really, really positive? How, what, what tells you that? Well, so I teach piano, if you can tell. And uh, in my classroom, I would say that um, a healthy uh, sense of community or healthy classroom is when students are supportive of each other's attempts, even if they were not perfect. The I love that. The supportive quality of, of being in a space and saying, I know you've been working on that and it's coming a long way. That's so great. When they're doing that for each other. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much, Sonia. Would you please be willing to call in someone? Okay. Popcorn. Lisa. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Okay, so um, I know that a classroom is feeling healthy to me when students are comfortable asking questions when they don't understand something. Um, and so I'm always delighted when I hear even one person ask a question. When students are comfortable asking questions, thank you, Lisa, absolutely. And so if you would please popcorn to someone, part of why we popcorn, right, is because we're getting to know each other that way by looking at each other's faces, reading each other's names and saying, okay, maybe that person's ready to go, so. Okay, I pick Layla. Hello. Actually, uh, I'm totally agree with you and I was thinking about, you know, being comfortable in the class and, you know, being comfortable to share your uh, idea and, you know, um, I think it's the best to be comfortable. And how do you know, Leila, when, how do you know when your students are comfortable? Uh, sometimes uh, when I had class, you know, with some professors, uh, I felt uh, comfortable to share uh, what is in my mind and, you know, I didn't try to, you know, repeat the same things uh, in the article or what my professor said, because I knew that he's open for new ideas. And, you know, even if you, you know, kind of uh, reject something or tell what you think, I think that was my best experience, you know, because my professor was open to new ideas and he respected others. Thank you, Leila. So there was an openness and you're feeling comfortable to really say what you think and feel rather than reciting something that you think maybe is what you're wanting to be wanting to hear. It's more actually being able to say what you actually think and feel that questions are being asked that people are supporting each other. Um, exactly. Yeah. Thank you, Leila. Would you call on someone else, please? Uh, Sarah? Sarah? Um, I feel like my, there are two indicators for me. One is that um, a larger percentage of people and people who don't speak up very often start speaking up. When we go, when we make that transition from the 10% of students who just are very comfortable talking or who think, 
who engage with the material by talking to other people feeling like they can start asking. That to me is a really good sign. And then the other really good sign is in some classes when a kind of critical mass of students start feeling comfortable being silly in my classes. Yes. Making right. kind of snarky side comments during my lectures. I love that. Wonderful. So a silliness, um, those who are typically quiet speaking up. And I would just for a moment challenge us to think in the in, in the virtual realm as well. I know for me, sometimes it has to do with uh, our cameras on are people comfortable to turn their cameras on? Also, um, when their cameras are not on, are they really active in the chat? So, so I can tell that they're present. And then Sarah, I would also just think it's interesting because I'm trying to do a little bit of, this is obviously stuff we can carry in, thank God someday when we're back in the real space, but this is, typical, this is specifically aimed at how do we do this in a virtual space? And one of the things I've been finding, I don't know if this is true for any of you, is that Students who, um, when we made the pivot in, in March in particular, students who didn't talk sometimes in my physical class were suddenly really active in the chat, really active in um, when we would do breakout rooms. So sometimes it's also this, um, these that Zoom's allowing us these multiple intelligence hitting, right? Letting different ways of learning come forward. Um, again, trying to find the silver linings, I'm not gonna lie, this is hard work, but um, but remembering that for some folks, I had one student in particular who her physical circumstances made it impossible for her to turn her computer on. And for those of you who are joining late, I teach theater classes. So she was able to, like, she'd go in her bathroom when she'd have to do a performance and turn her camera on so she could do her performance. But the rest of the semester, she never turned her camera on. She was one of the most active students in my class. She was constantly, constantly in the chat. And so I, you know, it is so possible for our students to be present, even with their cameras off. And it's that presence, like Sarah, you were talking about, suddenly a quiet student is speaking up and suddenly, okay, I think that maybe we've reached a, a comfort level. And part of what I was wanting to bring to us today is how do we, how do we cultivate that comfort level, level and get that happening sooner in our classes and make it really conscious for ourselves. So I don't want to leave anybody out and I want to give Sarah a chance to popcorn. If there's anybody who hasn't shared, who has a thought like uh, um, about how they know when their classrooms are functioning in a way that feels healthy and the community is kind of active, maybe you could just put your hand up and Sarah could popcorn to you because I don't did you see her? Did you see her? I saw Kristen. <laughs> Yay! Thank you. <laughs> that was kind of quick, Kristen. <laughs> well, I, I, she was I mean, nodding though too. <laughs> if there are learners that have things, I don't want to dominate, but um, I, I think about how um, it takes a lot for my students to be willing to express alternate opinions or to, to, to express it like a, a different perspective than other people are saying. So even today, you know, I just got out of class here at 3.15 and, you know, and we had our first discussion about it, about a reading and the first people to talk about it were like, yeah, I thought it was great. And it was really well organized la, la, la. and then nobody was critiquing it. Like nobody was willing to step up and say, oh, well, actually I thought this was kind of lame, you know, like, um, and so uh, uh, being, being, like trusting others with your dissenting um, perspectives is a, is like that's the ultimate sort of trusting community for me. And I teach political science, and so uh, um, and we're you know I, I'm really also trying to teach critical analysis, right? So like trying to move students toward that um, capacity, but also their willingness to share it is uh, is really key. Yeah, thank you, Kristen, and I think that. You know, I talk a lot with my students about, well, how can we create a space where we can bring um, as much of our full selves safely to that space as possible? And my bias, which I'm upfront about, is that when I can do that, I'm, I'm a better learner, when I feel comfortable to be my full self. And so th that's what you're really talking about is like if to be the one to offer the, the, the dissenting opinion in a, in a room, even a Zoom room full of people who are in agreement about a topic requires courage, um, no matter, no matter. But if there's trust and if there's like what um, Sonia was talking about, about if there's a readiness on the part of the other students to, to support, right? To support, even if that's something they disagree with, they can support the fact that the person's taking a risk to offer an opinion in that way. 
-hmm. Those are the kind of um, community spaces that we're trying to cultivate, I think. Um, so I just want to see if anybody else, Kristen, if there's anybody else who wants to share on what they think is an important element of a healthy classroom community, and then Kristen would popcorn to you. But no, typically with popcorn, we try to get everybody or as many as possible, right? Um, and in interest of time, I do want to move us through some other um, sample activities, but I want to make sure <laughs> if there's anybody who didn't get a chance to chime in that they do get to do that. Kristen, what do you think? Everybody looks pretty okay, yeah? <laughs> so we're going to talk a little bit more about, about um, these ideas, but that just that little technique of popcorn, again, it, it, it in and of itself is a way to build community because I, even if my camera's off, I, um, I still have to be paying attention to who did and didn't share right, as a student, and, and I, as the faculty member leading that kind of thing, when I'm leading popcorn, really have to be paying attention, because the students will forget, and then someone who didn't get to share will feel left out, like, oh, you know, so if I'm the one to be able to say, well, we haven't heard yet from Amanda or Nancy, maybe Suzanne wants to share, maybe Tina, you know, that way, it's really clear, like, someone's tracking who has and hasn't gone, and both keeps the students on their toes around, oh, I really am gonna get called on. And also helps the student who's do doing the popcorn to not feel hanging like, oh my God, right? So there's all these ways that we as the leader of the community can set the tone and then, um, and then keep making a safe space. So one thing I'll just share with you, um, which was going to be the next, uh, just to kind of, we talked about all of that. We talked about the fact that students can leave. The next thing I would do on the first day of class in terms of community creation, and again, in the interest of time, I'm not going to take us through it today, but I would actually create together, and, and it does take, you know, the, the bulk of the first class, but it's been 100% worth it in my experience to make a set of community, of shared community agreements um, with the group. And you can make it a quicker experience by having, there's a lot of them out there, you know, community guidelines for brave space, community agreements for safe space. Brave space is really the term that's being used now in the community development world. But um, how do we, but I like to do it where my students get to generate that list themselves. So I take them very briefly through a visualization and I ask them to think about their schooling from their kindergarten through 12th grade or maybe all the way up into college now. And when of their classrooms or their community experiences, maybe it's in a religious setting, maybe it's in an after-school setting where they've really felt trusted and trust, right? Where they've really felt respected and respect given respect, where they've really felt seen and heard and known, any of those kind of statements, and ask them to think about that. And then usually that gives them a chance to think of, oh, I really felt like kind of a lot of the stuff you all have said. I felt like I could ask questions. I felt like there was an openness. I felt like supported, even when I made a mistake. I felt like the quiet people could share and the other people could take a step back and make space for the quiet people to share, right? Those are the kind of things. And then I would, um, either send them to breakout rooms, depending on how big the room is and have them generate those lists in breakout rooms, or we would do it here in the big space. And I would share a Google doc and while they're talking, I would type, right? So we'd have words like respect, open-mindedness, non-judgmental, um, it's okay to ask questions, it's okay to make mistakes. And then I would remind them that, you know, these are guidelines, they're agreements, they're not rules. And what's great about agreements and guidelines is that we can revisit them. So when I, when, and when you do that with a class, when, as can sometimes happen, you get people in the class who don't engage in that way, you can come back and say, hey, our class seems to really have not, is gone awry and we're not really, we're not really treating each other with respect. Let's go back to those agreements because you've written them down, right? And then one of the things that's really important if you're going to step your toes into this kind of the, the vast humanity of, of, of students and the vast humanity of ourselves is that sometimes people will share things um, that they want to keep confidential. And so we try to make a confidential space, but then of course we have to share that we're all mandated reporters. And it gives us an opportunity to say really upfront, like, you know, I want people to feel free to share in this space, but if you share about something that tells me that you're in danger or in danger of harming yourself or someone else, I got to share that with the people at the university. I got to get you help. So 
you know, not that you all, depending on your subject area, not that you're going to necessarily go deep into these big conversations, but sometimes even just opening the door to say, hey, let's put in the chat how you're feeling today. And you'll notice that the same student is saying depressed, despondent, frustrated. You know, that's something that you're going to you're going to want a red flag and then you're going to have a conversation with that student. And then that student is potentially going to disclose that they're feeling suicidal. And then you're going to have to report that. And you hadn't set it up front. Right. So if you do decide to go in this direction of opening things up, it can be really helpful to just say up front really directly, um, what does it mean to have a community agreement? And I also, in my classes, um, make an anonymous Google form where people can submit if something is really, especially right now with Zoom, where you can't, as Ken was saying earlier, you can't see what the student interactions are like, but there are student interactions going on sometimes in spaces outside the Zoom room and sometimes in the Zoom room in private chat, right? And so, to have an anonymous Google form where they can let you know if something's not right um, is a really huge way to create a safe, a safer, braver space. So I'm um, just throwing out some ideas there. Any questions on anything I've said so far? Yeah, Sonia. I was curious about the Google form that you said just now. Do you have one that you use for students? It, yeah. You know, it's so simple. I know I, I can sh I can look for it and share it with you, but it's so simple. It's just if you know how to make a Google form, right? Like I just name the form anonymous rep anonymous reporting form or anonymous comment form, and then the question is, please feel free to put anything in the space below that you think I should know about something that's happening in class, and then they just then you just plop in one of those like paragraph. Um, you know how you have all the options in Google Form, right? And that's it. And then you get notified if it ever comes. You know, you get you. You're the creator, so you're the only one. But you don't know who it is that sent it. It's uh, it's anonymous, so it's a really great tool. It actually, again, came from a student that someone asked. You know, can, is there a way to do that? And I said, I don't know. And the student said, Well, in another class, I had an anonymous Google form, and so that was how we did that. Oh, Amanda says she does the same and always makes sure to set it up so that she gets the notification. Yeah, you got to make sure that you you click the button to get the notification. Otherwise. It's hanging out there and, and they don't get any, or you can't address it. Again, it's anonymous, so you don't have a person to follow up with, but you can address it in class if it's something that's affecting the whole class, right? Any other questions or thoughts about anything so far? Okay, um, the next one was something that I thought it would be fun to do if you all are up for it. And you have had students who use it to follow, to ask questions that they want to follow up with. Oh, that's interesting. I haven't had that experience, um, but that's that's true, especially in Zoom, right? If you have a big class and you just, you know, even if you stay for 10 minutes afterwards, um, you know, they, they don't have a place to do that thing that they do in person where they can just come by when you're sitting in your office or, you know, so, or see you in the hallway and ask a question, right? So this, this forum, um, great to hear, Amanda, that, um, that it worked for you in that way as well. Um, another really simple, more kind of in the icebreaker vein, because I know Nancy was asking more about that, a kind of fun thing to do, which I think, you know, we have a little time, I think it would be fun for us to do, um, is it's a call, it's a partner storytelling act. It's a structured storytelling activity with partners. And so I know that we have a range of, um, of uh, disciplines in this room. So I would do it with um, the way that this activity can be used is it can be used with your content um, and it also can be used just as a way like an icebreaker. So if you just, I'm just, are, if you're game, I would um, send us to breakout rooms for, for literally four, four and a half minutes. Um, and I'll tell you how it works. When you get to your breakout room, it'll just be a random partner and one of you will decide who's A and one of you will decide who's B and it's timed. So partner A has two minutes to tell the story of their most embarrassing moment. And I always tell my students, at least your most embarrassing moment that is PG that can be shared with another person, right? Because there's a lot of embarrassing things that happen in our lives and we don't wanna hear about the ones that are not appropriate. So, so most embarrassing moment, PG, 
Um, and a story is a beginning, middle and end, right? So if you're embarrassed, the most embarrassing thing was, oh, you know, I sent a text and it was really dumb. That doesn't give me the details. If you tell me, oh, I was having a disagreement with someone and it was getting really heated and we went back and forth, we went back and forth. And then I got a text from my boss and then I was to go, go back and forth with this other person. And then I accidentally set, sent the form to the, the text to my boss that was meant for the other person. And it said something like I used a bad word and my boss said, what the heck is this? And it was super embarrassing, right? Um, thanks, Nancy. Nice to see you. Um, so a beginning, middle and end. And that's why you have two minutes to tell the story of your most embarrassing moment. And, and um, I'm gonna, in your breakout room, I'm gonna send you, you'll get a little, um, you know, the little message that'll come when two minutes is up and then you switch. Um, sorry, no, you don't. First, before you switch, the person listening, partner B, is gonna reflect back for 30 seconds and say, hey, I um, heard you say that what was embarrassing was when you spilled the coffee down your shirt. And then you're gonna switch and partner B will tell their story and partner A will reflect back. So we could do it if you're, um, if you're game, are you game? All right, let's do it. So I think I have the capacity to do the breakout rooms if I assign them, yes. Two, four, six. Sarah, are you okay to play? Two, yeah, happy four, to play. Six. Okay, so then that's four rooms. All right, so first thing you do when you get in there is to decide who's A and B and A starts talking. Tina, question. I, I have to go because I have oh. to, sorry, bye. No I hope worries. I your, your pairings, bye. No worries, bye, thank Tina. you. Bye. Thanks again for your help earlier today, Sarah. Bye. My pleasure. Let's see what it does when I do it um, automatically. And if you're in a room by yourself, I'll come find you. <laughs> All right, here we go. Yes. So Kristen, if you just want, don't join and just stay here, Kristen. Ken and Sarah, do you? Yeah. Sarah, do you see your breakout room invite? I don't. Oh, wait. Huh. I guess you don't have one because you're the host, maybe? Maybe. So let me take, um, let me move Lisa to room three, and then you'll, Kristen, you'll be with Lisa. Go ahead and go and just leave Sarah here. <laughs> Did you get an invitation, Kristen? Yep, there gotcha. she goes. Okay, there we go. Now, that if you just don't play, we'll be fine. Yeah. So let me set the timer for two minutes. And then I send them a little note and it goes off. Okay. This is great. Great group. Yeah, they are. So um, Sonia and Lisa Kath and Amanda and Ken are super consistent. Um, but we got some, you attracted some folks who I haven't seen very much. Nice. So that's terrific. They're a nice group, Sarah. Yeah, they are. Hey, so the... I don't hear slide. you. I wonder why I don't hear you. That's strange. You don't hear me? I think it's my headset. I'm going to turn it off. Let, I'll speak again. I can speak there, again. Now I can hear you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so, oops, I've got audio settings clicking around my screen. So um, do you do the, um, the welcome slide with that put in the chat? That the thing that you you showed us very first, do you do that every day or just on the first day of class? I usually just do it the first um, few sessions, and then my student in my in my classes, my students usually start to lead. So then, if they're if we do if it's a class where we have a daily check in, then they will each lead the check in, and some of them choose to do like that, and some of them uh -huh. choose to do other things. But they often in Zoom have been using PowerPoints and stuff. Okay. And so you do yeah, do it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. It's, uh, works pretty well. And then how does popcorn work? I mean, you, I don't know if you have students who are anxious about speaking in public being in theater, but how does popcorn work with students who, who have social anxiety and for whom speaking in public is really painful? 
Um, well, I would, I would establish, I mean, again, like depending, it would take me probably the first, uh, oh, I got to send them their note. That was a fast okay. chance. Hold on just a second. I would, um, I would let them use chat is the short okay. version. I would not let them not participate. <laughs> okay. But I would say, um, you know, figure out a way to sort of gently, like that's how, that's how it worked. This woman didn't have social anxiety, but she was, it was really not a, a possible for her to turn her camera on. And I say up front, you know, I'm really, this is a, this is a performance class. I, I really want to strongly encourage you to turn your cameras on. And if you're never going to be able to turn your camera on, we need to have a conversation. So, because that's, um, I need to send the next message. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, okay, partner B. Um, because um, I know we're not, we can't require it, but with performance work, you know, if I can't see them do the work, I can't grade them. So, um, like I said, so far, my experience has been that I haven't had to really, you know, I've had to work around it, but it hasn't been impossible to have someone turn on their camera. Um, but what I did with the one person who was very rarely be able to turn it on was just, she just was in the chat all the time. And I feel like now that's the example. So, mm -hmm. you know, because if you have social anxiety, I understand the screen can be terrifying, Yeah. Um, but there has to be a way to participate, right? Otherwise right. I don't know. Right. What you're, I don't know what you're, what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, just put it in the chat, put more of it in the chat. And then I, I would take that person one-on-one -on -one and say, um, Hey, I'm needing to see, I know that you, this is really difficult for you, but I'm needing to see more responses in the chat. If you want, mm -hmm. if you want to, so I can feel like you're participating, you know, I think that's what we would do. I'm just looking at my next thing. <laughs> Yes, almost done. Are these I'm, regulars? Uh, some of them are, and about half of them are, and half of them aren't, which is great. That's that's a win. That's great. Yeah. I I think that these these are such great suggestions. Thanks. I'm so grateful to you for. I just wish that, that there was a way to like have everybody get this kind of conversation going, you know, because these folks are probably already fabulous teachers who don't even need this, you know. <laughs> but so I believe in the trickle down theory of of sharing teaching innovations. It's like we talk to the people we talk to and then trust that they'll talk to other people and the world get where get around. That's nice. I like that. And I'm, I'm going to try and distill some of this down and put this in the blog, which is the other way that we spread these ideas around. Yeah, no, the blogs are great. I've, I've gotten a lot out of them having not attended physically or oh, even nice. non-physically. Um, there's good stuff in there. So it's true. And it's, a, I mean, a blog is a great resource because you can come to it at any point. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm trying to talk to you and do this. Okay, there's that. I can tell. All in the rooms. <laughs> See if they come back. The embarrassing moment is a fun one because like everybody's got a story. Okay. I should ask your story. <laughs> My story? I stood on the wrong, I was, when I was seven, I, I was looking, I was at a wedding and I went and stood on the wrong daddy's feet and looked up and it wasn't my dad. <laughs> sort of the backwards hug. That's great. I love that one. From, and that's so amazing that you remember a story from when you were seven. Oh my God. It was so, I sort of looked up expecting it to be dad and it wasn't dad. And I think I just ran away. I just think. So good. I love that. Yeah, we've all got one, right? Oh, yeah. 
You've all got one. Here they oh, come. Here they come. Welcome back. Welcome back. Thank you for participating. So um, before I ask you to share a little bit about that, I want to just say that you could do this activity with something related to your field. For example, you know, the, your biggest fear as a future engineer, uh, an experience that shaped your decision to become a political science major, right? Um, like there's all kinds of stuff you could do within your field. Like what are you hoping to do with your music degree? Um, that that's, that's not really a story. That's a hard one to make a story, but embarrassing moment is always a good one or any kind of feeling related moment. And then when they come back after group, as you just did, I would ask, um, for a random share out in that in, and I would either select or do the popcorn, um, version. Does anybody want to share, uh, something from their group, something that they heard or your own, what did you, what was it like to, to, to tell that story and to, to have it be heard? How was it to have it reflected back? Any of that? Well, Lisa and I both had pretty embarrassing stories. So, and, and it was it was really nice to be affirmed also that she was very kind to be like, you know, these things happen, right? Like we, we you know, we're all just sort of like doing our best and, you know, like we're stretched and the technologies are strange and whatever. So I, you know, I felt actually, uh, actually like better and less shame about my moment than I had prior to telling her. So that was very nice, Lisa. Fabulous. I'm glad. Thank you. Anybody else? What was it just, what was it like to even tell a story and have it heard? Sonia, you just unmuted. I did. I was, I, I almost used my own special trademarked, term for what I experienced. Okay, here it is. It's called shame sweat there. Now you know about it. I, I experienced it again. <laughs> it's still very alive. <laughs> That's a very, very, I hope it wasn't too, too um, painful. <laughs> it was great. Actually, I can understand why that works so well. You feel immediately attached to this person like that. This person now has a detail about you you have to trust them now. What right. other options do you have? <laughs> right. They're holding this information, right? And you got to, you chose. What were you going to say, Ken? Well, I was just going to say, somebody taught me kind of a trick to defuse things when somebody does something dumb like I would do. Um, like when um, when uh, a waiter maybe drops something and everybody's looking at the poor devil that just made a mess um, is to, you know, kind of redirect and so, like, I'll remember and relate that, oh, I had been sitting at a formal dinner with one of those long tables. I didn't realize the tablecloth was stuck in my suspenders. I stood up and dumped the dinner on the guy across from me. And <laughs> so, you know, using that story when the waiter, you know, makes a mess or something helps. And it, and it really does. It kind of breaks the, the uh, and everybody looking at that person, you know, somebody doing that to deflect or, or redirect kind of helps and and you know telling people about those things i think you know when you can tell other people about your embarrassing moments there's definitely bonding bonding going on there between those people so yeah i think that's a really good technique i hadn't thought about using it absolutely and then also just um amanda you put it putting into the chat thank you for that her version of the form um anonymous form both her view and the student view think that's so amazing thank you and also um you, what you and ken are both now doing is the last thing i wanted to do which is sharing best practices so if there's things that um, that you use, whether it's diffusing. I mean, that can also be work, work in a classroom setting, right? When the student, a student does something awkward or there's a moment that's really tense or uncomfortable, we can we can redirect, right? There and um, and obviously, Amanda, you're sharing your form as another best best practice that you've been using. Um, are there any other things that anyone wanted would want to offer up? Things that you use that you know have helped you when you're trying to really cultivate that safe space. I think one thing that I talked about a little bit last semester was, you know, after having had the training for the, what is it called? Flexible course Institute thing. 
It's like, oh, you know, you want to have a good welcome video. This is, some, you know, going to get people interested in your class. And I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to do it. But I'm not like in television, theater and film. And I made five of these things and they were not spectacular. And then I finally realized, oh, right. I'm not good at this because I'm not good at this. This is like just this is who I am. And I better tell them up front who I am. So I just recorded one with whatever kind of bungling I normally do. And then I created outtakes, a video of outtakes from my previous attempts and shared that and just like thought this is probably the best way for me to be honest with them. So it's kind of a way to just be to show them I'm goofy. I'm imperfect. I'm, you know, doing the, the best that I can in this weird circumstance and, and that transparency, I think, helped build some community as well, even though it was a really big kind of impersonal asynchronous class. Absolutely. What a beautiful example. Yes, absolutely. And let me just tell you, I'm in the School of Theater, Television, and Film. I have two degrees, one in acting and one in directing. I must have recorded that thing 400 times. I'm not, I mean, no, but like I over and over and over again, right? Same thing. And eventually, right? Eventually I just like put a picture of Shakespeare behind me and was like, this is what I teach. Come to my class. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, it's, this is a very, this is tricky. I think even for those of us who do this, it's like, this is a different world. So good for you and, and way to humanize yourself. And I'm sure they got a total kick out of it. That makes me feel better too, to know that like if actual professionals struggle with that, then it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, Zoom's crazy, <laughs> but here we are. Um, I want to be mindful of time. Does anybody else have a, um, have a exciting thing that they can offer? Not even need to be exciting. It can just be helpful in terms of um, what you do to make your space safer, braver, more comfortable. All right. I don't know if this is, but I do a lot. I love doing a lot of anonymous polls in Zoom. And I set up my polls, like I only have four polls in Zoom and they're like, yes, no, A, B, like A, B, C, D, E, F, G, pick one, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, like, as many as you want and then I put on my slides like what a equals what b equals what c equals so that, that way I just have to like write in the slide um that's brilliant that really and one and I use that at one point where there were like two or three students in class and they weren't really responding and I was like, okay, guys, what do you want to do? Like, and I put, you know, and I make it anonymous so that it's like, you can like say whatever you want. So I was like, I want to leave. I want like, I just want like Amanda can just talk and that's fine. I want to work with my classmates. So, <laughs> oh, thank you. But yeah, no, I, I like doing that. And then I think I have like one that's like, yes, no, maybe something else. So, so the polls are just to be clear, Amanda, the polls are to like get a sense of where to go next. Yeah. And I mean, I use them for like, that was like, there was that one time where like just students were doing nothing. So I was like, okay, guys, like, what do you want? But like, I'll use it for comprehension. I'll use it for like, today I had a student who said like, I can't buy the textbook. So I said like, okay. A, B, or C, A, I bought the textbook, no problem. B, I haven't tried to buy the textbook. C, I've tried to buy the textbook and I've had problems. So like, and then I just put the poll up and like, I got to like, see like, oh, we've only had students who haven't tried or who have had problems. No one who's successfully purchased the textbook. <laughs> I'll need to look into that. So that's yeah, just- Yeah, which is so important because you can't like assign stuff from the textbook if nobody's got it, right? So good, that's such good information. How big is your class, Amanda? It's pretty, they're pretty small, like, like it's as many as 25. I think I have 15, so. But I just want to say that seems, that seems like a really great strategy that could be scaled up. Like that mm -hmm. seems like a great strategy for a big class. Just throw out like, okay, I'm just wanting to know right now, today, who, what are, what are your responses to this, 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 and this, you know? So I just, I don't know if others in this group are, um, are teaching big classes, but that just seems really scalable. 
I just, I also want I, the, the, the brilliance that I've latched onto for that was having really generic poles so that they're super easy to create. That's brilliant. That is brilliant because right. That's, that's the thing. Like here I am, I've got the idea, but uh, how do I make this work today? Right. That's such yeah. a, so clever. Yeah. Kristen, you had unmuted for a second. Did you want to add? Oh, just, I was going to say, you know, I'd really given up on Zoom polling because it just seemed like it took so long to create each new one for each new class. And then you, you want to use them on the fly. So this is a very, very, very good idea. And it's yes. very similar to what I would do with clickers in my big, in my big seminar. Like I teach a big um, intro class sometimes. And um, yeah, to, just to be able to ask them questions, boom, on the fly. So um, that, and for comprehension and, you know, nobody's answering my question. Why is that? You know, like, like, oh, I didn't read B. I, you know, like I'm, I'm exhausted. I, you know, uh, uh, C, you know, I don't know. I'm worried about my cat who's sick. You know, like this, like, like the, like, like listing, just trying to figure out what's going on out there. What's happening. I, and I would use it that way. I think over zoom, especially that's um, that sounds like a great idea. Yeah. What a great way to get just a beat on what people are feeling in a, at this moment in zoom, when you can't see everybody, you can't see all the yeah. panels, you know, yeah. people have their cameras off, you know, all of that. Although I sometimes just ask people to just put it in the chat, boom, you know, like answer this question, everybody answer this question right now. And then we, yep. it, we can all just scroll and see, oh, here's the, here's the trend, you know? Yeah. That's also, I mean, the chat is so easy, but what I love about the polls and what Amanda, what you're just saying is like too, you can, and you can share it right. And then everyone can sort of see, oh, we've all, none of us have our textbook. Wow. Yeah. I'm not alone. I don't feel like such an idiot. Like all that stuff happens really quick. And I think they really appreciate the different modalities. Like, you know, I know by the end of the semester, last semester, we were getting a little fried on the chat because we were using the chat so much. So it'd have been fun to be able to jump to the poll, which I haven't really done much of. So thank you so much for that suggestion. Um, I know we've been going a little over an hour. So Sarah, I wanna just be, um, be mindful of that. I will tell you one thing that I, uh, often do as a checkout as well, especially if we didn't have time for a check-in or if the check-in was brief or there's a million reasons why I might do a checkout and a checkout is just kind of the back out version of the coming in. So it might involve something physical, it might involve a game, but usually it's just a sentence completion. Like what's one thing you're taking away from class today? And again, they can pop that in the chat, you know, as a way, especially because my classes tend to have some, so they could often have some significant emotional content so it's really nice to sort of ease them out if something has been intense in your class. I'm thinking, Kristen, if there was a debate around something political that you know people might be feeling raw, just, hey, one word, how are you doing right now? Or what do you need to feel okay next time we come to class? What would help you? One word, they can pop it in the chat or you can do a popcorn of it. So you could all feel free to do that, put something you're taking away into the chat. Um, not required, but if you wanted to, and I'm just so grateful, Sarah, thank you so much for inviting me. And this has been a delightful um, opportunity to get to know some of you better and meet some of you for the first time. 